Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahiri, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that that this will bless you. Specifically, you are listening to a recording of messages from the Words That Matter series. This is our Lent and Easter 2023 sermon series about the words of Jesus Christ from the cross, the seven words or sayings that Jesus spoke from the cross. We truly pray that this series will bless you and deepen your faith and especially deepen your love and admiration for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, good to be with you today in God's Word. We continue our sermon series, Words That Matter, looking at the words of Jesus Christ from the cross. And today we have the word of salvation. Now friends, what what real hope do we have living in this broken and often painful world? Now, it's also a very beautiful world, but it's fragile. Our own lives are mortal and and it's fragile in how we keep things together, right? This world is full of life, but also it's also full of death and evil. It's very real. So what is our hope? What is our way out of this, this circle that often leads to death and evil? What is our way out of sin? And what is our way into the the deep life with God? A life that will overcome the brokenness and a life that amazingly could go on for eternity. Is there such a real hope? Is there a way to be saved from selfish, earthly living? Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord. For you are truly our rock and redeemer. And you alone should we deeply fear. We should be in reverent awe of you, Lord. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should our lives be found upon. Speak to us today, Lord, by your spirit. Give us ears to hear. May we be praying as we listen to your word and this message that it would honor you how we listen, that, it, that we would receive it with faith, that, that we could somehow use what we learn to honor you and to bless others, Lord. And I pray your people listening would also pray for me and other servants of your word, Lord, that, that we would rightly declare your truth. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Well, I know if you're listening to this online as a podcast or video, you you may not be able to do this next bit, but if you are able to stand wherever you are, if you're able to stand, uh, stand for the reading of the gospel, the word of salvation from the gospel of Luke, chapter 23, starting with verse 36. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. 
There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, Jesus, said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated if you are standing. So I have some questions today as I come to this text. My first question is, when does a sinner stop being a sinner? And and then we're going to go from there, but let's think about that. Let's, Let's look at some of the sinners in this story to learn about us sinners. Let's consider the words of the soldiers and their actions. You notice they give them sour wine. Jesus' first miracle was to turn water into wine, and he made it the best wine, you know, good wine. Here, they're saving the worst for his last day. They're giving him sour wine. But anyway, let's consider the words of the soldiers. They, they say, if you were the king of the Jews, save yourself. It's definitely mocking, we're told. It's cynical. It's, it's this human meanness that we see too often. It's nasty. It, they're They're brutish. When will we stop thinking like this, acting like this, bullying, violence, whether in the schools or against each other in families, taunting and brutality? What will stop this cycle of unhealthy human violence and mocking? They they want a king, but their king would be in their image, someone who's just the master brute. You know, super powerful, like the Roman emperor. Power is proved true by might. And so if you're really a king, then overcome by power. That would prove it to us. That's who they would respect, they say in their disrespectful way. Well, let's look at some other sinners. Let's look at the words of the the first criminal. Are you not the Christ? Fair question, right? Are you not the Christ? He'd heard that Jesus was claiming or or others were claiming that Jesus was the Christ. And then he says, save yourself and us. Isn't that a fair request? They're in a terrible situation. If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. We often too easily dismiss the, the words of the soldiers or the words of this first criminal because the words that we're going to hear from Jesus and the words we're going to hear from the second criminal are so deep, but these are important words to think about, right? These are self-serving words. In a way, he's asking Jesus, he's asking if Jesus is the Christ, uh, but he doesn't really want to honor that. He just wants to use that, right? He just wants to use him. He wants what we could call a Christ of convenience, he wants to, you know, to have the membership card, but just for the benefits. He doesn't actually want to, to serve the Lord. 
He wants a Christ who rescues him from trouble and pain and difficulty, but he doesn't want to deal with those circumstances or admit that they're his own fault. He just wants rescue. He wants a Christ of convenience. And so we've looked at some of the words of the soldiers and of this first chromosome. Let's look at some of the words from our own lives. Christians, those in the pews, sometimes have a spirituality like this, a selfishness. You know, we, we even like you know, to turn scriptures into selfish things like the Christians turn the prayer of Jabez in the Old Testament, just a couple of lines of scripture, and, and, and they turn it into something about, you know, God working on our behalf. It's basically a prayer in the Old Testament where Jabez prays to not have pain any longer and to increase his territory. And then Jabez is never heard from again. But we like to pray like that. And and, then that book sold millions of copies because we like to pray for a God who will take away our pain and increase our blessings, right? Increase our territory. Increase our retirement account. Increase our tribe. And and, and, and God, God is a blessing God. And it's not wrong to ask God for God's help. But it is wrong to to be a person who claims to believe and not live for God's glory. To live our spiritual life keeping God as a, as a blessing device or a backup plan. God, rescue me from trouble, and then I'll deal with you the next time I'm in trouble. Or God, bless me when I want blessing, but I don't want to bless you. That's not how the true believer wants to treat God, right? We should want to treat God as the king who did nothing wrong and still went to the cross for us, and went to the cross innocent. So why are we like the soldiers? Why are we like the first criminal? Why are we so selfish, even in our spiritual attempts? Why do we say hurtful and untrue things? Because we as human beings are in the sin nature, and we need rescue. That that is what we need. We, We are so uncertain in our lives. We are We are anxious. And yet we condemn and judge others. We, we desire to protect our own, but tear others down. We, we seek to impress others while dealing with all kinds of internal problems. You know, it's not just Vladimir Putin who uses power to bully others. It's moms on PTA groups or friend groups. It's dads who shout at their kids on, on sidelines of fields. It's coaches who belittle There are all kinds of words that we as human beings, words and actions that show the evidence of the sin reality, that we are sinful like the soldiers, that we are are criminals like that first criminal who want God, the God of convenience. This is a ride, a carnival ride, a terrible, evil carnival ride. We need to get off. It's not doing any of us any good. So let's look then. If we have these problems, let's look at the words of the other criminal, the the humbled criminal, the repentant criminal, the believing criminal, the saved criminal, whatever you want to call them. And really, after he's met Jesus, the way Jesus views him is not a criminal at all. right? How does Jesus view him? He's a new citizen of the kingdom, a friend of Jesus, but but let's look at his words. This man says, Do you not fear God? Verse 40. Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, 
and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Notice, friends, that he reveres or fears God. He knows, therefore, when you, when you revere God, when you fear God, deeply revere God in awe of God, that means that you know God is in charge and you're not God and God doesn't exist to serve you. God is to be glorified. He knows he is just a man, right? And God is God. And he, as a criminal, uh, guilty of his crimes, he should not be compared to Christ. He knows he is rightly condemned. He knows the other criminal is rightly condemned. And we know, friends, that we are rightly condemned unless God intercedes for us. If any of us were giving, given the rewards for our deeds, we're all in a heap of trouble, right? He said, we, we, we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. And, and some, you know, they want a fair system, right? And they look at God's way of saving sinners and say, is that fair? Well, if it was fair, if we all got what our deeds deserved, we'd all be in a pile of trouble. The scriptures say even our, our righteous deeds are as filthy rags, because even the good things we do, we often do with impure motives or to impress others. This criminal knows some deep things. The Spirit has helped him to know some deep things. He confesses that Jesus has done nothing wrong. And that is very true. And then notice what he asks of Jesus. He humbly asks simply to be remembered. And that's an act of faith itself. Jesus is there dying on the cross like he is. And, and yet in some way he has faith that Jesus is coming into a kingdom and going to be king. And the best fate that he could think of for his soul or his name is to be remembered by Jesus the King. It would be enough for me, essentially, he's saying, if you would have a thought about me in the future when you are a king in your kingdom. He believes, look at this faith, he believes that Jesus will have a kingdom. Even against the reality of what Jesus is facing in that moment, this criminal has faith, believing that Jesus will, will be a king in his kingdom. And all he asks for is that he'd be remembered by the king. And I really believe this is evidence that the Spirit is helping this man and, and, and birthing him into new life. As Jesus said, you have to be born again, born from above. And this is what is happening. He, this newfound faith, he believes. He has a new faith, a new life. He doesn't know how to put words to all of it, but he knows that Jesus is the king and is going to have a kingdom. He knows that Jesus' work is not finished yet and, and, and he asks simply to be remembered. He could not know all of this on his own. He needs the Spirit, and the Spirit helped him. And the Spirit came because he surrendered. He humbled himself. And so God teaches us through the example of this, this one man that there is a way off the, the, the evil carnival ride of sin that, that we all find ourselves in in this life. And that way off is through faith in Jesus and surrendering repentant faith in him admitting that we are guilty and that he is our way out of this terrible evil ride to become something new, to become a name, a person that honors him, lives to glorify him. He can help us to get off 
the right of selfishness into selflessness. He simply is asking Jesus to remember him. And the Spirit can help us, even us. Lord, help Help us to be remembered by you and your kingdom. What is salvation? What is salvation? Well, first and foremost, salvation salvation is first and foremost God's business. What God is up to. Restoration. The cynic or the skeptic will ask, you Christians, you say this, getting saved or you're saved. What do you need to be saved from? I have a good life, they may say. And the Christian answer to that type of question is, we do need to be saved. We believe this. We need to be restored into a sense of whole self where we have a right relationship with God. Not a self-serving relationship with God where God just rescues us for our own desires, but a healthy relationship with God where we glorify and live for Him. We need to be rescued from selfishness. We need to be rescued from sin, how we've hurt others and and learn how to bless others. We need to be rescued from Satan and evil in this world and realize how we get entangled with it and how it comes after us. We need to be rescued from death because we were created for life and God wants to give us that. And none of these can we overcome on our own, we believe, as followers of Christ. We need to be saved from selfishness, sin, Satan, evil, and death. And salvation is, salvation is God making whole what is broken. God making new what is dead. God making alive what is dead. God giving birth to new life in us by God's grace, God's free gift. And we receive that gift by faith. Salvation is bringing peace to the anxious soul. Salvation is God forgiving us when we believe that He is the way we are forgiven. Salvation is rescuing us from the consequences of the future that we do deserve because Christ took those consequences. That's salvation. How good is salvation? Salvation is very, very good. Psalm 34, 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. When God is our refuge, our strength, our protection, when we we admit we need Him, when we admit that that we cannot do life on our own, when we need His restoration, then we, we, we see how good the Lord is. When we take refuge in Him, we really taste and see that the Lord is good. God is very good. Psalm 40, verse 4 said, Blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust, who has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. We are deeply blessed. Happy is another way to say that. Content joyful when when we trust the Lord in this way. It doesn't mean all this the hard stuff goes away, but when we trust in the Lord, we don't need the answers of the world that says, you know, you need wealth or power to be strong or territory or beauty on the selfish low levels that humans describe beauty in. No, we're blessed when we trust the Lord. How good is salvation? Jesus says it's paradise. Paradise restored. Paradise now with God and paradise eternally. Paradise, the restored life with God where we now are are so forgiven and made perfectly clean and righteous that the Spirit of God finds us a fit 
vessel to live within as if we're as holy as that ancient temple of, of, of old. We're, we're even holier than that. The Spirit of God dwells within us when we have been washed clean by Christ and made new. It's, it's as if we've never sinned, but more than that, we are, we are a new vessel. We are invited into the family of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are covered in his garments of righteousness. We are invited to his banquet table. We are his. We were lost, but then we're found. We're blind, but then we're, we were seen. We were condemned. Now we're set free, and then we're brought into the family. And there is great rejoicing. How good is salvation? Now where? is salvation. Where can salvation start? It starts wherever you surrender. It starts wherever you surrender. And that is a beautiful place, wherever it is. Does it start on the cross? It could. It did. Could it start in a gutter? Yes. It started at my college desk. It could start at a steering wheel. It could start for someone at a funeral of a loved one when they, their eyes are open to their need for God. He will meet you anywhere where you are ready to believe in Him. Now, who is salvation for? I would answer it this way. Salvation is for any, any person who the Spirit would lead to know that they need salvation and they want it. Salvation happens on God's terms, not ours. For this repentant criminal, what he wants is to be remembered by the king. But he leaves that up to the king, right? That's a sign of a saved heart. He's saying, you're the king, you're in charge. Remember me if you will. We don't push our way into heaven, right? He receives us into heaven. I, I'm done trying to talk people into wanting the blessing of God and the salvation of God. It's a waste of my time and yours. If, if you know you need it, you'll seek it. And you do need it. Jesus doesn't need you. He wants you. Jesus need, doesn't need to beg you to believe in him. He's knocking. And he wants the door open. He wants in. And, and your life is from him anyways, and it's really a crime to keep him out of your life. And strangely, when you keep God out of running your life and being the Lord of your life, you are a victim of a crime of unbelief that you are perpetrating against yourself. You're robbing yourself of an eternal, healthy destiny with God. And you're robbing God of the glory that God deserves because God is God. All in the name of you staying in charge of your own life. But I don't, can't force you into believing. But do you want to live for your own glory or God's? You have that choice. So salvation is for whoever will be humbled to open the door to Jesus. Admitting, like the man next to Jesus, that you are guilty, but Christ is not. And that he alone could bring you into the kingdom. And he will not forget you in his kingdom.
That's who it's for. And we need not give, in, give up hope that Christ is bringing people into his kingdom. Even if you believe these are the last days, and they very well may be, who knows? I mean, some dramatic things are happening. But even if it's the last days of somebody's life or the last years or months or weeks on planet Earth, we don't give up hope that Christ is saving people because he longs for all people to be saved. And so here's a practice, friends. I think, I think Christians need to be people of hope. Write down a hopeless situation right now. Write down something you think is hopeless. Just pray, pray, God, what, what do I think is hopeless? Or maybe it just rushes to your heart and you write, no. Write down something or someone you think is hopeless in this world. And I will say this, start praying about that. And that person, that situation, do less complaining about it and, and more praying, more serving, more loving. For however much time you have left in your life and in this world, do not give up hope. Because this man, God allowed this situation to, give, to, to rescue this man into paradise, but also to give the church a deep lesson that God can save anyone, anywhere, when he wants to, even on a cross. He can save anyone who truly believes, and it doesn't matter if we or the rest of the whole world view that as a terrible situation and, and give up hope. God doesn't give up hope, and we should join him, therefore, and pray for his rescue of difficult, difficult situations and difficult people. Do not give up hope. Pray for those so-called hopeless situations. Ask for God to move. Friends, think on this. There is no darkness that is greater than God's loving light if we will simply let it in. Like the man on the cross, if we will open our heart to Christ, even just a bit, even that small bit of faith, God's light will burst forth in and overcome the darkness. Psalm 139, verse 11 and 12 says, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness is not dark to you, but the night shines like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. My friends, pray and don't give up. God's light can break through and overcome the darkness. So let us prevail and persist in prayer, for we have the power of God working within us. We may feel in this life like very small children compared to the to the oppressive powers of darkness that are out there, or, or the meanness of sin and addiction and how people act towards one another, uh, the di division we have in, in this world. But keep on praying, persist, and believe that God will prevail, for God is with his people, and Jesus taught us to pray and to not give up. And hear these words for you today. 1 John 4, for little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, O Lord God. We believe that you are greater than the darkness, the sin, the pain, the shame, the anxiety, the fears. You are greater. terrible darkness of the cross, Lord, you used as a great light to show your love to us. Oh, Lord, help us have eyes to see. 
we're stuck in the meanness of this world, if we're, if we're trying to have a convenient version of you, selfish spirituality, lead us to repent, God. Turn us away from all that. Humble us like that man. That man you invited into paradise. Humble us. Teach us to revere you. Be in awe of you. For you are the king. And it is your kingdom. And we live to serve you. May you remember our names. Lord, And may we remember your name here on earth. And may we live in such ways that, that you are glorified. And may we pray for the people that you long to be saved. And may you help us by your spirit not to give up, but to, to have hope, durable, powerful hope from your spirit. Help us to be your praying people, your obedient people, your saved. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, there's some next steps I'd encourage you to think about taking because of, of the word that we heard today. Perhaps you need to confess that you need Jesus and you want to repent of your sin nature or specific sins. Again, I'm not going to talk you into that. If you know that's you, do that. You can let somebody know or you can just do it with the Lord, but confess that you need Jesus. Repent of your sins. Maybe you want to just join me and others in praying for the lost. Really persistent prayer, bringing hope to those who are lost and wandering. Lord, bring hope to the lost. And then maybe as you wrote down that hopeless situation you in, earlier in the message, you want to pray and not give up. Ask God's help. Lord, help me to pray and not give up. Ask Him for help. He'd be glad to pray. Thanks be to God for his word. Thank you for listening to that message from our series, Words That Matter. It, in this season of Lent 2023, we have other resources available to bless you and deepen your faith. Uh, we gather for Bible studies throughout the week. Check out PalouseChurch.org for our schedules. Uh, check out uh, the Bible app where many of us do reading plans together. Uh, focused on what we're learning in this season. You can also join us for soup suppers Wednesday night in person, 6.30 p.m. at the church where we are reflecting and, and listening to people share about the words that, that Jesus said from the cross. We also have nights of peace on Thursday nights during this season at Holy, the Holy Trinity Chapel in Palouse where you can be, be with the Lord in just a quiet time uh, and that's anytime from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. on Thursday night. So there's lots of resources. Check us, check us out on YouTube.com or the Bible app. If you're not uh, a friend of me or uh, our church on there, check that out just so that you can connect with some resources that bless you if you're tuning into this series. Again, thank you for listening, and we do pray that the Lord blesses you and your time together.